0: Hey, Real Nerds listeners, there's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us out on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6Nerds5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, we have been seeing a new movie and podcasting our experience to the world. We are also a proud supporter of popcultureclassroom.org. Log on to popcultureclassroom.org and learn how you can help with literacy through comic books, which is always a good thing. Because, you know, sometimes it's, you know, comics, there is an art to reading comic books. It's not as easy as just reading from left to right. And
0: it requires your attention to detail to notice the small intricacies in the artwork, as well as yes. dialogue to engage within the content itself. Something, something smart, something, something, something.
1: <laughs> uh, this week, we saw Psycho Goreman. Or, or PG. Is, is PG the in the actual official title? I don't think so. Because hmm. some places have it listed as PG, Psycho Goreman. And then other places just have Psycho Gorman.
2: I there's a poster
1: that has it like that.
2: But as far as, that, like, if you
1: IMDb it, it's, it's Psycho Gorman. Okay, cool. I'd go off the IMDb listing because, you know. Anyways, we'll uh, tell you if you should see the film or not, play the trailer, then spoil it. And yes, there is spoilers for this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this <thing. laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, we'll talk about movie news, movies that are coming out on Blu-ray. My favorite film from 2020 is out on Blu-ray this week. And movies and TV shows and stuff we've been watching and general musings.
0: General musings. He's my favorite member of the armed forces.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brad sent me a picture. uh, You know, for some reason, because the whole comic book and action figure world has turned upside down since COVID. I keep on missing stuff and... There's a Frogman Spider-Man Legends figure that I really want. And you sent me a picture Brad and it was listed at like $19 was at Walmart or Target. Walmart. And so when I went to Hero Headquarters, they have it for like $30. Oh yeah. Like, what you, the fuck?
2: He probably bought it at Walmart. So that's 20 and wants to make $10 profit on it, so.
1: Well, I've noticed like I I get my I'm going to rant for a second. I get my comic subscriptions through there now. Yeah, um, me too. But what makes me mad is he gives me the B covers. for So for stuff like Batman, I don't care as much because I'm not like a huge Batman fan. Um, I mean, I love Batman, but as comics-wise, I collect them just because I like... I, I don't know how to describe it. If
2: you had to choose between the two, you would pick Spider-Man over Batman. It's just, exactly. It's just science. So,
1: yeah... Um <laughs> So for Amazing Spider-Man, he keeps on giving me the B covers, and so I buy the A covers too. And so I told him the last time, I was like, dude, I just want the A covers. You can give me both and I'll buy both, but the completest in me, I want the A covers because the other ones are just bonus covers. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. care about them. So, you yeah. want the
0: primary artwork or GTFO?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't mind having two covers of Spider-Man because they're all really i mean i got one with the alien on it and it's pretty sweet (laughs) like i don't i don't care about the other ones and lately i'm noticing a lot of the um b covers for whether it's batman or spider-man are super digital now and i don't i don't like it as much Mm -mm.
2: yeah it's weird uh that he gets both but he only gives you the one that's i don't know i
1: know and and you know (sighs) This is me just being a bitch because I went to coins cards for so long. So Amazing Spider-Man 55 had a really cool cover where it's Spider-Man's head in a like a web. And um, it looks really awesome. And because oh, yeah, it's, it's number bad. 50... Yeah, it's sold out before it was even released. So it the secondary market already drove up the price. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's... It, before it came out, it was already selling for $20. So I go to the, so if I was at coins cards, just like with Batman and punchline, I would have just the normal comic anyways, even though it was selling for 75, $80, they still put it in my whole slot and I pay three twenty nine 29 for it. I go to heroes headquarters. They give me the second uh, cover and then they have all the like web spider-mans behind the counter for 20 fucking dollars. Yeah. And I said, I, so I got one. He says, oh, I'll give it to you for 15 because you have a a hold slot. I said, wow, gee, thanks. <laughs> and then I get home and it's not even a near mint copy. Like the, the spine is cracked. I was fucking oh, pissed. But yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, that's just bullshit. Like, if I have a subscription, I don't know why I can't get the A fucking cover.
2: Yeah, that's weird. Like, he put everything, like, even stuff I didn't ask for, Turtles-wise, in my slot. So... I was like, oh, cool. I don't, I guess, yeah, I'll just get them all because, you know, you're an indie shop and you could use the extra five bucks, but, but yeah, yeah. it's like, A is like, that's the issue. Like, that's the one that sell out. Like, that's the one that's going to be highly sought after, not the B one.
1: That's what I mean. And I'm not trying to be the whiny little bitch, but even though I sound like one, my I saw this to my wife the other day and her eyes just (laughs) blazed over. She's like, wow, you have. Yeah. You have, you have like <laughs> first world problems dude
2: <laughs> yeah uh but it's
1: just i don't know it, it, the completest to me it's really irritating especially because i've had to order um the a covers over of the last like two issues offline because they sell out and then at the same time I was like dude if they're a spider-man is selling out why don't you just order fucking more of them yeah i don't get it
2: it's so weird like coins cards really spoiled us like oh man like there's that like yeah, and there's another thing where, like, release day, some uh, like retailer incentive cover was, you know, it's it's probably probably be like ten bucks when it comes out on release day. Mm-hmm. The reach that like the shop owners just immediately mark them up. Yeah, and then you know, I've suddenly been getting all my stuff that I need at Hero, but like mm-hmm. my Mile High Comics slot, um, like the same week that books came out at Hero Headquarters, Mile High Comics had nothing for me. It's like. Huh the reason I have this slot is so that it, I get the stuff that comes out on release day. Like, are you yeah. just not getting it? Or is it like, like the delivery trucks behind? Like, I don't understand. Like how yeah, is no, hard.
1: Yeah. It's. And then, you know, part of me says, well, maybe I'll just order them and have them delivered to my house, but I want to support comic shops. And two, I don't want them to get ruined in the delivery. And do I get them on the day they come out? I don't know. Cause it's not coming through diamond. So I don't know how the fuck they get out here.
2: Yeah, delivery is um, not reliable. Like I've had mail that's just, you know, going getting returned to places and not showing yeah, up. Yeah, and I
1: have a I have a PO box, so they'd have to fold the comic anyways to put it in there unless they ship it in cardboard
2: or you get a bigger PO box.
1: Well, I, yeah, well, yeah. Good. But I have to pay for it. Yeah, it's like 300 bucks for the <laughs> I yeah. think for that size. So these are my first world problems I have. It's just really annoying. Yeah, you know, I, coins, cards would spoil me. I, you know, I have the first appearance of Green Goblin, that is, you know, a thousand dollars, but he sold it to me for a hundred and twenty. And, you know, original Sal Buscema, and spectacular Spider-Man art with Spider-Man on it that usually goes for you know seven, eight hundred bucks, hundred dollars.
2: Next time, uh, Just, that's I was at Amazing Fantasy today, and they have that web Spider-Man book on the wall i didn't check the price um next time i go in i'll see what they what they're
1: well they're they're bad too so i was there a couple a week ago or so and oh. um that's the one on ken carroll right yeah um yeah so they have this issue of the batman strikes that i've always wanted and it's really hard to find it has harley poison ivy Catwoman and Batgirl it's my favorite all my favorite like Batman the Fantails
2: strikes from the 2005ish
1: yeah and so it's really hard to find what i number I know it's is it? really uh 48
2: oh man <laughs> i might have had that but i sold like that run back to coins cards like i don't know 10 years ago
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah. that issue is really hard to find And so they had it on their wall for like 30 bucks. It's like, well, that's really hard to find. I'll just get it. And then I, I, they, I buy it and I'm leaving. And as I'm driving away, I'm at a stoplight. I'm just checking it out. And they have it as a very good plus, but it has like a tear. I'm like, this isn't very good. plus. (sighs) Anyways, I was, that's uh, my comic book rant. (laughs) I
2: was photographing all my comics for my, uh, my team and T thing. And, uh, you know, there's like tales of the TMNT books that you know I brought home and just never I just shelved them mm-hmm. and they're like probably 12 years old by now, 15 years old. But I had to take them out of the, the plastic so that I could photograph them, right? Yeah, and one of them I like pulled out and the back had like the indentation of like a Coke can ring on it. It's like Ugh. Andrew,
0: <laughs> yeah, the fuck. <laughs>
2: um, a couple of others, uh, this might have been just like from being in the case, but they like had that paper scuff on the back mm-hmm. like they've been sliding mm-hmm. around a bunch yeah Um but yeah the, the ring one I was like <laughs> how dare you I don't even put yeah. this in my slot like <laughs> I know you bagged them, Andrew <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. like how did that yeah, even was... happen
0: did you not notice when you first got it or
2: no because like at coins cards if you get a hold slot they bag it and board them for you right so like I said like I picked them up I brought them home I put them in the box and just like left them there for years and i uh i got two of each so you know the other one's fine but the you know the one i pulled out to look at you know for photographing i flip it over and just to check if there's any like interesting art on the back and yeah there's just like this ring indentation <laughs> like the size of a coke can or something like someone just like Aww. like a steel press had come down and just like mashed it it's like
1: he's probably yeah. like oh shit uh no one will notice <laughs> I'll just make this Brad's copy.
2: <laughs> I know Brad just collects these and doesn't read them. He'll never know.
1: <laughs> Some of those issues are worth a lot of money now. You might oh, want to check on yeah. those. yeah,
2: there's a like three at the end when uh, they sold the Nickelodeon. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter Laird had the rights to you know, keep making, keep publishing turtle books independently if he want, if he chose to. And so, like the last three, you had to get directly from his website, mm. and. One of them is like worth a thousand dollars and the other ones are like 700. Um, I was like, damn it, those are the only ones I didn't get two of (laughs) because they were like 10 bucks, you know, yeah, off the website. So I was like, I'm poor right now, just be responsible, only get one. And I'm like, oh man, (laughs) of course, but yeah, they're hard to find. Like, uh, a lot of people in my turtles thread like, doesn't even know they exist. Wow. A lot of people miss the uh whole 2000s revival stuff
1: So yeah it's it's weird when you have these you know comics cause i've collected them for so long and my pulse is pretty much on you know values and stuff but every once in a while one just blows my mind with the value yeah but that's why it's fun to collect
2: yeah it's, it's weird like at the time you're collecting them yeah, you know they you know, you're like, oh, some days we were something, but it's like mm-hmm. so far off. You think, you know, you'll be old and in retirement before you can do anything about yeah. it. And then like, yeah, like figures and books are already 20 years later ex- exploding.
1: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's when you think about how long you've been collecting them for. And something that doesn't even seem that old is, you know, now 20 something years old.
2: Yeah. It's, it's like that time compression thing where you don't really think about because you live the 20 years. But like when you're a kid, you know people's books from the sixties were suddenly valuable in the eighties. So it's it's not that surprising that, you know, my books from the nineties are suddenly like, Oh yeah, I guess they are kind of valuable now.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. I, um, you know, I love Sal Basima. He's my favorite Spider-Man artist and his first work at Marvel, besides being an inker, I'll never get his first, um, work because it's that really famous, uh, cover of thor versus silver surfer it's uh silver surfer number four i think it's his first official comic book work um but i have his first cover it's this romance novel that's called our comic that's called um fuck all your love or something like that and i it was always sold out i've never found it then when i bought uh the amazing spider-mans off my comic shop because you know Fucking heroes headquarters won't give them to me. Um, I said, you know what? I'm gonna. Oh, it's our love story. I'm like, I'm gonna check on it, and it was there. And I for twenty seven dollars. I'm like, God, that's a lot of money for a romance comic. But it was published in 1961. I'm like, it's sixty fucking years old. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that seems fair. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really like the art, and it's really spectacular. It's really uh, stupid. It's like, uh, oh no, no, I've lost him forever, and she's like crying in the window. I haven't read it yet, but something tells me it's not going to appeal to my <laughs> sensibilities.
2: Uh, by the way, for some, you just reminded me, uh, Dan Slott. That's a name that sounds familiar to me from Spider Man.
1: Yeah. He wrote Spider Man for 10 years.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a turtle book that he uh, had his name I forget which one, but I was like, Dan
1: Slott, Dan Slott. Why do I know that name? He has a really interesting documentary on, um, Disney Plus for the Marvel 616. Um, I forget the title of it, but it's him working with another guy for, uh, iron man, 2020. It's kind of a cool little documentary about how comics are made.
2: Who's the guy that did the, uh, like spider octopus thing. That you hate so much? Oh, <laughs>
1: superior Spider-Man.
2: That's why I know it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So T- 10 yeah, years of that, some huh? of it's fun. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Spider-Man being, uh, arrogant and killing people. I'm not really down with, yeah, it seems out of character yeah i get it they're just trying to push it but- exactly hey, still
0: alive oh yeah yeah i'm just <laughs> listening i have nothing i don't have anything to really contribute to it i don't read comics that much anymore so i feel uh, I, i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's actually funny so i collect uh i collected the Mega Man archie books uh-huh. and like they're fun they're definitely made for kids but the art in them's really cool and uh so i mean i have i have the complete run and I was on Key Collector. And I, <laughs> and the very last issue had a really low print run. And it's like $180 it's selling on eBay for Jesus. this cover. And I remember getting the cover. And I, I bitched to Andrew about it because it was stupid. Because it's like Mega Man playing guitar. I said, Andrew, why did I get this cover? This one's stupid. And he told me, he says, you're the only one who orders that book in the store. You get what I give you. I'm like, all right, fair <laughs> enough. And now I found out that it's like it's on Key Collector, it's the lowest print run of any of the Mega Man covers, and it's worth tons of money. It's like, oh, all right, I'll forgive you one time.
0: Yeah, and Andru- Andrew secured your financial future there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Well, I mean, my wife is right. It's worthless because I'll never sell them. So, um, but you know when I die she has a lot of stuff to go through
2: <laughs> there, uh, <what> was, <laughs> you, a, um...
0: when she dies what were you when you die you 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 leave to her in the will a, CDC, uh, a um uh a cGc guide and just yeah. <laughs> <and> just say <laughs> yeah and just with a, with a vague note saying you know what to do <laughs> well, if, I, throw if them out I die, yes
1: if I die before you guys my Gwen Stacy box has was worth lots of money the rest of the stuff not as much so just make so, sure so brad you my, my wife the gwen so, stacy box
0: no so brad when ryan dies we break into his house and, and steal the gwen stacy box
2: <laughs> okay ryan i'll make sure your kid gets it for college
0: <laughs> thank you <laughs> but but brad we could have gone to rio and just like said fuck it to the world
1: <laughs> <laughs> ryan really wanted me to have the first appearance of the green goblin <laughs> <clears throat>
2: When I was a I swear like when I was a teenager I saw like there's so there's this Michelangelo uh figure where mm-hmm. they took the metalhead uh sculpt from the figures and just painted them like green and orange and I called them like Ultra warrior metalhead. Is like, nice. the end of like the playmates run from the nineties? But I swear I saw it on the shelf and I was like there they are just repainting figures all weird colors just to sell more like more variants. And, like, that's one of those things where now, like, that off, like, dumb figure is, like, worth 500 bucks like, in the package. (laughs) Whereas, like, I could have picked it up for five bucks then, but I was like, oh, I'm tired (laughs) of buying, like, different colored bandana figures all the time. You know, they just repainted Metalhead.
1: Big deal. And then, yeah. Because it was... It's so so funny you say that. I have the same thing, but I bought it. There's this Green Goblin for Spectacular Spider-Man, the cartoon series. And it's, like... uh, battle wave green goblin or something stupid like that and the only difference is they painted him camouflage (laughs) it's like really hard to find and it's one of the most desirable green goblin figures and i'm like that it's so fucking stupid it's like
2: awesome that you have it but it's also like (laughs) so frustrating because it's so dumb
1: yeah exactly and you know at the time i'm like why do i even have this stupid ass one (laughs) and i see you go oh eventually sometimes things work out Anywho. <laughs> this is movie news. It's real news.
0: All right. Um lots of lots of neat stuff happened. Um I'll start with the with the with the angriest of the news, which is Mank was a film that was filmed in black and white. And Netflix had the audacity to release color photos from the set. That's a bunch of horse shit.
1: I, um, I, you know what's funny is I saw those those <laughs> pictures. I go, uh-oh. <laughs> somebody's
0: not going to like that. Did you just hear off in the distance, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> How dare they break the illusion of mank. Um, yeah, no, actually it's pretty interesting to look at the amount of detail that's in the costumes that you can see from a color spectrum. So
2: I'm just sitting here in Highlands Ranch. I hear this faint like...
1: <laughs>
2: All the way from Lone Tree.
0: <laughs> I heard a sound as if millions of voice, one just really just one voice was uh, screaming in terror, and then suddenly silenced. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, but anyway, on to actual news. Um, this is just off, hot off the press. It looks like Ryan Coogler going to be working on a Wakanda series for Disney Plus or Disney yeah. TV one of the two. They better call it
1: Wakanda Forever. I'm gonna be really disappointed. That'd
0: be fucking dope. I'm not gonna lie. I want that. Um yeah, yeah, Ryan Coogler, who's also set to work on Black Panther two, uh says that he's inked a deal to develop this TV show. So yeah, um, this is a decision that should have been made,
1: I don't know, when Disney Plus was started. But uh, anyway, doesn't <laughs> matter, we're gonna they, get it now. <laughs> my guess is they probably did have it in the works and they just announced it when they got everything together yeah exactly
0: well and also WandaVision is technically a better testing ground for what they want out of Marvel TV because if you can get away with I haven't watched WandaVision yet full disclosure but from everything I'm hearing on the internet it sounds like this is like the challenging Marvel property and I'm like if you can get away away with that then you can get away with anything feasibly so
1: I think that's people that actually haven't watched it because I don't think it's challenging at all Really? Okay. Well, yeah.
0: then I'm then I'm I'm avoiding spoilers because I don't. I'm just reading vague reports and people are going like it's too slow or whatever, and I'm like, well, dude, then you'd hate the movies I watch. Jesus, <laughs> like
1: this Episode, is, this four, that just, you, episode yeah, okay. four that just dropped is the most MCU episode of it.
0: Okay, I was just like, but I, I I hear those comments and I'm like, guys, like they put all your favorite characters in there and they put all the colors and the the, the nice rainbow like color of illusion i don't know like i i just couldn't understand it i don't understand why people have to bitch about getting cool things but
2: <laughs> new, like old side characters
1: mm.
0: oh i did see that darcy's back so that's cool
2: um and um what's his name from ant-man jimmy woo jimmy woo yeah
0: oh i like him cool um but anyway Moving on to some more Disney news. Um, there's going to be some reboots in the works. First of all, we're getting a Cheaper by the Dozen reboot with Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union, which that's cool. And it's coming from the writer Ben Kenya Barris. I, I have no problem with anybody involved in here. I only have the question, how many times do we need to know the story of how hard it is to raise 12 children? Um, that would be awful. There, there are many examples of it throughout cinema's history i'm not sure exactly why we need this but i'm also not opposed to any reboots really unless they just are absolutely pointless and this seems like one you can easily reboot for a a cute little disney plus film for the family to watch so yeah and i I like zach braff and gabrielle union so i'm down for this um i uh I, i will totally see this one thing i don't know if i'll see is that um Uh, for if henry's listening he may want to brace for this they are going to reboot three men and a baby and they have attached zach efron uh and the director has been cast uh, has been assigned um mo marable whose work on brock meyer uh from the ifc and hulu's show woke um yeah I don't know how I feel about this because I don't really think much about three men and a baby, <laughs> but I guess you could do this again. That I mean, it made a lot of money. The first one made a lot of money for. um
1: this, Oh yeah, they didn't have to make a sequel.
0: Oh yeah, three men and a little lady. That's right. Not directed by Spock, which is why it failed. So that's you gotta, right. You got to have Leonard Nimoy directing your property, or otherwise it fucking fails.
1: Yeah, that's because the first one was the most human of them all.
0: <laughs> oh oh did you brad did you hear what he did He did, <laughs> no uh uh yeah no that i'll actually, show myself
1: uh, out <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh
1: oh! and then he
0: and then he referenced uh star trek 2 the wrath of khan and it was all <laughs> no um actually uh i liked that um Side note, I posted I reposted the meme of the whales uh, coming back into uh, massive population numbers. And it says, you're welcome with a picture of the Star Trek crew. And our friend Patrick Doyle uh, did a nerdy post where he's like, actually, technically, Savick wasn't on the ship when they decided to go save the whales. She stayed on Vulcan to remain with the people. And I'm like, yep, that's absolutely fair. But I didn't create the meme and I didn't share the meme. Roddenberry's official site did. So it's on them. (laughs) um
2: And then I wouldn't have seen it without you, though.
0: Yeah. Well. Oh, you. De- oh, you don't follow the Roddenberry uh, page or whatever it is,
2: or no? Oh, okay. I mean, I might, I, but I don't pay attention to everything that comes through my feed. So they're they're generally your pretty, fault.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. They are generally pretty self aware of themselves, so I appreciate their humor. But that was one where I'm like, oh, that is a kind of a massive mistake for the estate of Roddenberry to make. But whatever. I don't. They, they, quarantine has done a lot of crazy things for people um i do have some comic book news but i don't know much about it so some of you might have to elaborate on this so they're gonna make a new x-men comic with the new x-men team and uh it seems like you can vote on who's gonna be the ne- the final member of this new x-men team um i don't know no,
1: i've where... heard anything about it
0: oh yeah marvel is um uh, letting readers know that they can vote for one final member of the team. In 2021, Mutant Kind will be selecting the first X-Men team of the Kra- Krakoan age, and you are invited to take part in the election... Marvel's fan vote will be 100% responsible for the determination of the final member of this inaugural team. So choose wisely as your choice will have an everlasting effect on the future of the X-Men and the world at large voting will be open from 12 AM Eastern standard time on January 27th, which is uh, way back in the future to tonight. So nobody's going to hear this, (laughs) Um, but uh, your options include armor, Banshee, boom, boom cannonball, Forge, Marrow, Polaris, Strong Guy, Sunspot, Or Tempo. Um, I only know I only know Banshee. I didn't know there was an X-Men named Boom-Boom. <laughs> and now I want to know Boom-Boom's legacy. Also Strong Guy seems like the 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 name I would give my X-Men because I don't have the imagination <laughs> for a cool name like Sunspot or even Tempo. Um, uh Armor sounds like a cool X-Men name. Polaris sounds like one, but strong guy. He's throwing me, Ryan. <laughs> uh but so anyway, vote vote for X-Men. You won't be able to because the voting ends right now as we're recording. Um anywho, uh some sad news is that the Cannes Film Festival for 2021 has been delayed until July. Um, and uh, so yeah usually this festival is held earlier in the year to gauge the output that will be running through the festival circuits and also through the award circuits Uh, but unfortunately there's a virus and uh, nobody can guarantee anybody's safety right now Sundance is virtual so Cannes trying to make sure that they can maintain a physical environment so um, here's hoping that by July People will be returning to the beaches of Cannes to watch artsy-fartsy movies and sell low-grade uh, low, uh, low grade but hilarious entertainment at their Cannes market. Um, and then there's some other casting news. Um, Luke Evans is going to play If anyone
1: the- can do it, they can.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, ha. <laughs> did, you, did you hear – and then he made a joke about Cannes and how you <laughs> – <laughs> sorry i'm i'm losing it guys this is what happens when i have lack of sleep um th- so disney's doing a live action version of pinocchio the uh sizzle reel of which made ryan and i cry um and they've cast the coachman uh who uh sends people off to pleasure island to be turned into donkeys and he will be played by luke evans so luke evans securing yeah, his, yeah securing his legacy as disney's go-to bad man Um, as you recall, he played, I believe, was it, uh, Gaston in the 2017 Beauty and the Beast? Um, so there you go. Um, uh, by the way, I pulled my news from Slashfilm because it's convenient and their headline was kind of hilarious, which is Disney's live action Pinocchio casts Luke Evans as a hot coachman who will wreck children's lives, (laughs) 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 Which, which I thought was kind of adorable, um, And anyway, moving on, uh, Cloverfield is going to be getting a direct sequel, but it won't be found footage. Um, Paramount Pictures and Bad Robot have hired British screenwriter, Joe Barton, um, who was, uh, brought on to be the showrunner of the HBO Max Batman TV spinoff, uh, to write the script and JJ Abrams will return to produce the movie. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, we've, we've already sifted through the Cloverfield, um, anthologies as it were and i guess this is a logical step to maintain that franchise name i honestly am kind of disappointed that they're doing this because i liked the idea of alternate sto- different stories each time um all set feasibly within the same universe as that first one um but um i guess this has a lot to do with the fact that cloverfield paradox was ill-received to say the least um
1: yeah because- it's not good
0: no, it's not good. Um, that's why I said to say the least. <laughs> um, but uh, but Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane is a great movie. And I think if you're going to make a sequel to anything, maybe do that one. Because that had a cool character that I want to keep following. Um, well, I guess it doesn't matter either way. That's a good um, isolate film in and of itself. Made by a very talented filmmaker. Um, and then we've had three deaths to cap off the uh, And week. a baby. <laughs> three deaths and a baby now that's the reboot we all desire isn't it ryan <laughs> what does that look like though is it just three three versions of death have to raise a child like <laughs> so you get max von seito um or no 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 max von Sido, but death from seventh seal you get death from bill and ted and then i don't know who the th- third de- death from family guy how about that and then you get them all in a room, and they got to raise a baby. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think it's and it has to be Norm McDonald's version of death from his only appearance on Family Guy it can't be the one that they got afterwards. Um, but anyway, we'll start off with the most recent death. Dustin Diamond, uh, who played Screech on Saved by the Bell, is dead at the age of 44 uh, after succumbing to cancer. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems like he was. St- diagnosed with stage four cancer three weeks ago and was receiving treatment. So he was already on the ropes regardless, sadly. Um, but yeah, if anybody watched saved by the bell who didn't love screech or who didn't tolerate screech, regardless, you, uh, you enjoyed screech, uh, through various different forms. He also had some dealings with the trauma people, uh, as evidenced by Zach Bynes, um, post about it in memoriam. Uh, and, uh, he also was, um, uh, He uh, seems like he was also on the, well, he was on the new class, but he was not uh, in this reboot that they put out recently. I don't know. I can't really tell. He had some uh, late in life scandals, including a sex tape uh, from 2006 that involved him and two women. Um, He said it was a stunt person who still stood in for him with his face added during editing. Mm. Um, He said, it's the thing I'm most embarrassed about. The rumor that I think I had put on TV was that Paris Hilton made $14 million off her sex tape. My buddy said, $14 Holy smokes. Where's the Screech sex tape? You've got to be worth at least a million, I thought. Yeah, maybe. I got some money off of it, but it wasn't worth the fallout. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, go ahead.
2: I'm just like, what a great like, eulogy. Like, Don't forget my scandals. <laughs> like- it can't be just he died from cancer that sucks it's like yeah. oh by the way he had a sex tape i'll just it's, throw one th- the stabbing in there why, why not just add that while we're at it
0: yeah well it is <laughs> just like his his later in life career unfortunately or dealings unfortunately were a little bit more like sad than anything else like he was not uh um he didn't do much after saved by the bell sadly um but he did he did start his career as a stand-up which i found very interesting and he had been favorably compared to george carlin um Uh, So yeah, that's, um, that's pretty cool that he had some stuff to do in his life, but I'm just, I'm not a big stay saved by the bell watcher. I watched enough of it to know the, 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 the deal behind it. So um, yeah, but 44, it's a terrible shame. Um, Sad that he didn't discover the cancer in time to beat it, but um, he will be missed by a generation of fans. Um, The other big death um, is Cicely Tyson passed away at the age of 96 um she was uh nominated she mainly worked on the stage but she uh got her first oscar nomination for a film called sounder and then went on to work on films such as the autobiography of miss jane Pittman. uh she worked on roots uh marva collins story the woman of brewster place and of course um a film that we would have talked about on this show in the early years which is the help um and uh, she also worked a lot on television. A lot of her later uh, in life films, actually she worked with Tyler Perry and I've watched her in Tyler Perry movies and she's just as fine as she ever was in any other role. Um, uh, Regardless if I don't care for those movies, um, but she married miles Davis in 1981, but <laughs> they got divorced in 88. So they had a bit of a rough time there, but um she left behind an incredible legacy of a strong actress who was able to uh push through and, bring some dynamic roles to film. Um, uh, but she 96 to a hell of a life. Like I wish I could live that long. I don't know. Not a bad run. Yeah, not at all. Uh, And her pub, her memoir was just published on Tuesday. Um, and she was promoting the memoir at the time. So, um, the terrible shame, um, but we have her films to remember her by. Um, and then last, but not certainly not least. Um, Everybody prepare to have a horse whinny when you say the name Cloris Leachman because she is dead at the age of 94. Cloris Leachman, um, one of the last van- – one uh, among those ranks that are finally fading away um, of people who started in the golden age of Hollywood and worked into today. Um, she had uh, roles in shows like Mary Tyler Moore, which I don't think – I remember her on that show, which tells you how how long it's been since I've watched Mary Tyler Moore. It's um, yes, um, that's what it says here. So I, but I don't remember her on the show. I need to rewatch the show. It's yeah, on DVD she, now. So
2: she's uh, Mary's landlord. That's she's got a huge part. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's okay.
1: Great. Well, then again, she's also in the Criterion release of the Kiss noir deadly, classic *Kiss Me Deadly*,
0: which was one of her first roles where she is credited. Um, she would work through the gamut, and actually, she uh, was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance case which I completely forgot about. Um, she then would end up winning a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role in the Last Picture Show, which is an amazing role as Ruth. If you've not seen that movie, you should. Um, it's a very good movie, but of course,
2: also recently she was on The Office.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then I guess she was on American Gods too, which I, I guess I need to watch the show. Um, I know she was on Raising Hope, which was a show from the My Name is Earl guys that I uh, I enjoyed for the most part. She put the grandmother on the show. Um, uh, and she was also in the Adam Sandler Longest Yard, I believe, where I am. Sure. I know she's, I know she's in Spanglish. I know she's in Spanglish. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, I don't think anybody thinks of Cloris Leachman without thinking the name Frau Blucher um, or Madame Defarge or nurse diesel uh her work with mel brooks has been cemented in comedy legend um the i mean that that's my first exposure to her and it's still the exposure i keep going back to the most is those three films um she had an incredible incredible comic ability like she i don't know how you start in a movie like Kiss Me Deadly, playing like playing in a noir, and then move into this territory of playing a character actress for comedies like Mel Brooks's films, but it's just a testament to her ability to kind of move in and out of whatever role she should choose, and she brings a lot of crazy energy to the role she played for Mel, because um, Frau Blucher is a <laughs> is a piece of work, really well written to add lay into the creepy atmosphere that he's trying to capture with the James whale, but also it's just incredibly hysterical. Her delivery when she uh, is playing the violin after she reveals that she's been behind everything. And they're, they're cutting beat for beat on him going like, then it was you. Yes. And then, then you were the one who, yes, (laughs) like just beautifully delivered dialogue there. Um, And I love her as nurse diesel in high anxiety. Um, I think high anxiety she gets to do she gets to put everything on the rails and just go bananas with it. Like one of those one of the funniest scenes in the movie, hands down, is after she's um gone back into her room after assuring Dr. Thorndike that there's no sound other than the TV being too loud. She goes back in, she opens the closet and she has Harvey Corman tied up and they're engaged in an SNM game and she's just clearly like she and Harvey Corman are having the time of their lives just ad-living and just going nuts with this random scene they've stuck into this Hitchcock parody. Um, so yeah, I, I'll miss her. Um, my dad, um, when he heard the news, he was on a plane and he decided, well, I've got some time. I'm going to watch Young Frankenstein. And he just kept texting me back dialogue. Like, so it was just, it's a nice reminder that that's a strong connector for my family is Mel Brooks movies. So big bucket of win miss leachman yeah uh, you will be very missed um i'm I'm keeping a close eye on Mel by the way guys like I'm just making sure everything's okay that we can't we he has to live to be 200 then then actually I take that back he needs to live to be 2,000 because that's his goal that's what he has to do this is this is the bit that him and Carl set up years ago um, but anyway yeah that's news unless I missed anything.
1: Movies are coming out on Blu-ray. DVD releases to Blu-ray.
0: Let me ask you, Ryan. What's the one movie you've always wanted on Blu-ray, but never thought you'd ever get?
1: Um, I don't know. Was it
0: me. Was it Ladybugs from 1992?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I do love Rodney Dangerfield.
0: Well, Paramount Pictures is going to fulfill your love of Rodney Dangerfield with a movie that I've certainly never seen called Ladybugs. I believe this is a how did this get made, Ryan or Brad? It is. Yeah, That's right. Okay,
2: I found it on Laserdisc at uh, Black and Red a while back.
0: (laughs) Well, now you don't have to worry about pulling out your Laserdisc player, Brad. You can get this on Blu-ray.
2: Oh, I didn't buy it as Laserdisc. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw it there. It's <laughs> like eight dollars hmm. mm, no. for a how this get made gag.
0: Yeah, no, not <laughs> worth it, no. Let me ask you, would you want to get the movie Mouse Hunt with uh Nathan Lane and Lee Evans?
2: I have it on DVD.
0: Okay. Well now you can get it on Blu-ray from Paramount Pictures. Um, which um a friend of the show, Cheryl Jones, uh worked on that film. Uh so yeah. Uh, maybe, she, maybe she'll be picking it up. I know she likes the movie. I remember seeing it in theaters and enjoying it just fine as a kid. Um, yeah, and then right. <laughs> Yeah. And then Small Soldiers, uh, Joe Dante's underrated uh, little film about a group of toy soldiers and toy warriors that come to life and cause havoc for the family. Is that Phil Hartman's last oh, movie? I believe it is. I think so, yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. Kristen Dunst is the love interest in the movie and... David Cross is in it. Jay Moore. Kevin Dunn. Man, Joe Dante works with some fun people. Um, And uh, I need to rewatch that movie, though, too. I know Tommy Lee Jones is the voice of the uh, main soldier villain dude. Um, But obviously, Ryan was alluding to earlier, one of the best films of last year. Let Him Go is now available on Blu-ray. Doesn't look like there's a 4K, Ryan, unless I'm mistaken.
1: Nope universal only does 4k's for their big movies yeah like invisible man
0: now available on 4k (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: um
0: well one of their big films that they are putting out on 4k is spike lee's do the right thing uh you can also get it in a limited edition steelbook at target um so i guess best buy is not doing steelbooks anymore or whatever um it seems like something they'd want to cash in on um It's funny. I would want to check out this 4k release only because not too long ago, Criterion redid their transfer of it for Blu-ray. So I am wondering if the upgrade would be worth it or not, but anyway, I guess I'll find out and let everybody know. Um, Also coming out um, is a documentary called the last blockbuster, um, which covers the last blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Um, And then host, which is a shutter original. Um, And I guess it's one of those movies that came out during the pandemic. Um, you can check that out if you'd like. Uh, Kino Lorbar is putting out Dark Intruder with Leslie Nielsen, Judy Meredith, and Mark Rickman. Um, it looks like, Ryan, there's a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde vibe going on here. I'm not sure. Nice. It says an occult expert is brought in by the police to help solve a series of murders in which a mystical statue is left at each crime scene. Brett Kingsford is on the case until he discovers the mysterious connection between the victims in this gothic tale of terror. Uh, so, yeah, you can check that out if you like. Uh, there's a movie called Silent Madness in 3D from 1984 coming out from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, a homicidal maniac is accidentally released from the hospital because of a computer error and heads to a site, a sorority, of his past murders to continue his penchant for mayhem. Dr. Joan Gilmore takes him on after uh, takes off after him while the hospital administrators cover up the mistake and send some staff thing thugs out to go get both the doctor and the escaped lunatic. That's um, sheer madness. That's sheer. That's sheer, Hey Ryan, it's silent madness. So shh. Um, he, the, the, I like the tagline. He's out now. The terror has just begun. <laughs> uh, kind of looks like, uh an angry bald guy with a with an axe so no fun makeup it seems but hey maybe some cool kills you'll have to watch in silent madness um uh blu-ray uh, another blu-ray from paramount your's mine and ours with Dennis Quaid and René Russo again guys i don't care about how many kids you have to raise and how difficult it is just just <laughs> hey eight is enough um anyway uh and then Code Red is putting out The Great Alligator. Um, There's a picture of an alligator, and it looks great. Um, From 1979, the plot is tourists on a tropical island, uh, anger an island god who turns himself into a giant alligator and stalks them. If you're a giant alligator, how are you stalking people? Like, don't you just show up and say, hey, I'm a giant alligator. I'm going to eat you. Like, doesn't seem like there's the stalking involved. I'm
1: uh, gonna eat ya, Gary Yeah. That's my, one of my most favorite villains from The Turtles. Love, love Leatherhead.
2: I finally got his uh action figure.
1: He has an from, action figure?
2: Yeah, from the Playmates line. Yeah.
1: Fuck. Hey, that's neat.
2: Always eluded me. Yeah. He's a got a
1: that wears a cowboy hat.
2: Neck has got a new one where he's like huge, like from the cartoon. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Necker's kind of been killing it lately.
2: Oh yeah, killing my bank account.
1: <laughs> yeah, fuckers!
2: They've got a uh, Rat King and Vernon coming up this oh, week. Sweet. Track down, yeah.
1: I know. I, I did see the two pack of Bebop and Rocksteady.
2: Yeah, they're, it's awesome. <laughs> yep. Like, um, they've released re-released that one a couple times.
0: And anyway, that's Blu-rays oh unless, wait ryan did you this is late breaking did you want the 50 shades trilogy in 4k
1: please tell me it's available it's
0: available only at target
1: <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it's
0: too bad that you don't shop at target
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> what a shame hey hey there's one thing i want to see on 4k ryan <laughs> is a guy who crashes a plane and then walks in as if nothing happened
1: <laughs> uh it's a helicopter sound. Oh, that's right
0: helicopter that's right
1: that's right shit movies together hey oh, you
0: know man. you know what i you know what i really want to see in 4k is a guy taking a picture of a picture printing out that picture and burning it with a cigarette <laughs> god damn that fucking movie
2: how did you shop at target
0: Cause that's where you get. Oh no, it's a joke. Cause he's not gonna pick this up unless Laura asks him to.
1: <laughs> I don't think Laura likes those movies. So,
0: but you had fun. It, hey, you have great memories of watching them and giggling the shit out of them. <laughs>
1: I, I guess. Yeah,
0: I still haven't seen the third one because I'm just like I'm. I just I can't. I can't. I Can't do it. Um, but anyway, that's none any of them. You're fine, Brad. You're fine. Oh, I know. I, I watched it because James and Ryan made it sound like fun, bad movie time, and they're partially right, but it's just my perception of it. So,
1: yeah. it's still shit.
0: Oh, yeah. It's garbage. It's human garbage. The dumpster fire of the universe. But hey, I saw things I never thought I'd see before. Stupid things.
1: <laughs> we watch films throughout the week in a segment we call what we've been watching so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching brad what'd you watch this week not a
2: lot um uh, did anyone else watch wandavision i guess you did we talked about it earlier I did.
0: yeah i did it i, I did not i'm lame
2: yeah um no if I, i'm glad they finally made an episode that kind of gives you a sense of what's going on yeah um Although I was I was really hoping to watch the eighties episode this week, but I guess that's not gonna happen.
1: Um did they have to do a seventies episode first too?
2: That was the, was, the, that the, the baby one. one. Yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. yeah, I
1: guess that would be the seventies, yeah.
2: It's weird really, that they right. made the Dick Van Dyke one the fifties, because that show was in the sixties. But Yeah. Um yeah, they made Bewitched the sixties, which is accurate, okay. I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, I i I think the second episode's great. <laughs>
2: yeah it's it, it was so like those shows plus like david lynch i was like okay we need like yeah. i need something else to like like what is what is the purpose of this like why are we watching this and finally that episode was this one and uh yeah i yeah, just i'm starved to know more of like are they really going to make her this big bad um for like yeah. the rest of the you know whatever new cinematic universe they're building
1: yeah i'm, I'm interested there's a couple theories of who the actual big bad is in this and one that uh keeps on popping up in kind of passing um what do you call it conversation that i'd be shocked if they did but it'd be also be badass is mephisto if they have the marvel version of satan as the bad guy for you know the new mcu phase i'd be stoked (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'm not familiar with Miss Visto, so sure. Yeah, I mean, no, he's. Do you he's think awesome. they'll treat him like the devil, or they think they'll revamp him? Because, like, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's. I mean, basically, he's he looks like the devil, but he's a demon that is all powerful and magic.
2: So they'll probably like, as far as like accessibility, because they don't want to like, you know. Yeah. Focus on Christianity. You know, he'll, he'll like a demon makes sense. Like everyone can kind of get behind that.
1: Yeah, maybe it'd be some dude in a black suit with a red tie or something, or I don't know who knows. They've pushed the envelope before, we'll see. Or a lady, but they also have uh, you know, <laughs> Kang the the Conqueror, too, they're talking about, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't know, I'm interested. I mean, the show is really great, I love the show.
2: Yeah, it's, I, I, I still want to see that 80s episode though.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> that'd Should be fun. Be
2: um, so yeah, WandaVision, uh, and then I watched, um, shoot, what was it? I had, like had it in my brain and then just disappeared. Um, I, I'm gonna try to go through um, Henry's film explosion list and watch some of uh, his selections, uh, because you know, yeah, it always feels like he's the only one watching them. Um, yeah. but uh, I um. Like last night, I just uh, the King of Staten Island came up on my HBO Max. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's one of Henry's things. I'll I'll check that out." And I was I was sucked in. Like I didn't expect nice. to be like that invested in the movie, but you know, it's it's not like a I know it's autobiographical ish to a uh, Pete Davidson's life, but um, uh, what was I was gonna say, but it's like it's a story I've kind of seen before, but it's still like just like everyone's. Acting and characterizations are so like engaging. Like, I was still like, this mm. is like an interesting watch, still. You know, it's, 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 it's the story we've seen before where, like, you know, there's a kid who is kind of a burnout and doesn't follow his dreams. And then just living life and experiencing new things brings you closer to getting out of that rut, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I wish I could name something off the top of my head. Uh, a comparison movie, but I can't. Um, but yeah, I that was good. So um, I don't know if it would have made my list, but it's still a fun watch. Um, and then the last thing I watched was uh, Superman Red Sun. Oh. Which is the animated, DC animated uh, film of the adaptation of the Red Sun graphic novel.
0: Is that the one where Superman becomes a rooski? He doesn't become yeah. a rooski.
2: It just imagines. It's like an Elseworlds thing where uh oh, gotcha. it's like what if superman had landed in russia as a baby instead of america you know how would things be different um and it wasn't like it it kind of played out how i imagined it would have like i've never read the book um but it's it definitely feels like as you're watching it, you're watching like a four like four different books put together um uh like it it covers it's kind of like um a like set in real times like like if Superman was around in the Cold War oh, okay and so you know the the beginning has him as like a teenager and then all the way up through like present day like you know dealing with different historical historical things like in different stages of his life um, it was interesting to see like he's like close with Wonder Woman but enemies with Batman Um, and like Batman is also Russian I guess Wayne is but like uh, his parents died just because of you know the state of Russia back then hmm. Um, and so he vows to like get back at Superman for being like you know propping up uh, the Soviet Union you know and reinforcing all those ideals yeah, just make sure that they both have mothers with the
0: same name, and they'll get along.
2: They'll be fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Lex Luthor is like sort of heroic, um, like he's what? Are you laughing?
0: No, I'm just I just sort of heroic. I'm just like elaborate, but I'm I'm, I'm listening.
2: <laughs> well, because he's you know he's the anti- he's supposed to be the antagonist and representing America for you know against Superman, mm-hmm. but by the end of the film you know it's like everything he's done actually helps superman um and eventually superman comes around to like seeing you know how uh you know he's been conditioned to believe certain things that aren't true um oh, okay um it's 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 interesting like movie it like allows you to look at some like people's values from other perspective in another perspective
0: yeah, it sounds um, interesting given that Superman is an icon of America, like it is a firm representation of American values or the perception of American values. So Yeah.
2: And obviously it, it you know, it's existed as a graphic novel way before this, so it's not, not anything new, but right. you know, I I think it played out pretty well. I you know, I wish it was a little more I don't know, they they pump out so many of these now that I wish there was something else added to it that just made it feel a little bit more cinematic. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's such an epic story, you know that spans, a, a, you know, a well, time
0: Well, given the fact that they're made direct to video primarily, like they may have a constrained budget, but I'd yes. imagine with I'd imagine with streaming now taking forefront, they'll maybe maybe they'll be allotted a bigger budget to to be more elaborate.
2: Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, it's it's definitely budget. Like you know, they want to keep these low and keep churning them out. Yeah. Um, does does Yakov Spirinov make an appearance in this this story?
0: You just you just name checking
2: random Russians.
0: I'm just think I'm just imagining going in Soviet Russia, Superman crush you or something like that. You know, like he thinks that if he's gone through the entire Soviet era, like this seems like a feasible a feasible occurrence that could happen.
2: You know, it was in the graphic novel, and they just didn't. It didn't make it to the animated version. Sorry, uh, Zach.
0: Uh, oh, they said Zach's not going to watch this anyway, so why would we include it?
2: <laughs> you know, it would have cost money to animate that whole sequence, and yeah. like, they're not going <laughs> to do it for Zach. So,
0: that sounds interesting, though. I would like—I would like to check it out. I would like to catch up on all the DC animated stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, but if I do the Death of Death in the Family, I'm going to do that Blu-ray because I would rather see the options and not be relegated to the one so
2: yeah definitely do the blu-ray because i watched the streaming i'm just like that's it all right (laughs) glad i streamed that (laughs) what do i do now q (laughs)
0: uh
2: yeah um that's all i watched
1: zach what'd you watch
0: oh you know me it's all black and white not in color like those mank photos um uh, actually I did watch some color stuff. Um so uh after our recording last week I rewatched The Searchers for another Ballyhoo review and uh that's a movie I still wrestle with because it looks very pretty, um establishes a lot of visual schemes for how westerns are filmed today, but the content of the film is there and uh John Wayne is there and so Let's all do the math in our heads, people. Um, But um, I will say that the movie was of more interest to me this time around, not just from a dissection standpoint, but also just watching regardless of how I feel about Ford, the way he films the West still remains incredible. Like it is a painting. It's kind of astounding to revisit it. And it looked beautiful. Um, in HD. I don't think I'd ever seen that movie in HD before and everything was very vivid and pops right in your face. Um, And then as some might know, I have uh, been thrust into a um, Jack Benny convention in two weeks um, to do a panel uh, on Benny's filmography. So I've been going through Benny's filmography um so I rewatched Broadway Melody of 1936 which is a movie that I think Ryan will enjoy. Um it's a um an ensemble piece. It tells the story of uh Robert Taylor plays a Broadway producer who is producing a show and he still needs a leading lady. Um and his leading lady um may be coming in the form of Eleanor Powell in her debut film, like uh, her big break. Um, playing a girl that he knew when he was in school in albany new york and now she's come to pursue her broadway dreams that they always talked about but robert taylor's like no 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 you can't be in show business it's too seedy now excuse me while i continue my dreams in show business while i crush yours um so she says well i'm gonna get in your show anyway and so she starts rooming with people like buddy Ebsen and uh devises a scheme to get into the show meanwhile jack benny plays a reporter. Uh, for a tabloid uh, gossip column-esque Walter Winchell type deal um, who keeps planting fake stories in um, in his radio column in order to boost his ratings and become less appealing to the public because his publisher says, if more people want to punch you, then I'll raise your salary. So that's that's always a great way to be motivated at work. Be like, hey, if people hate you more, I'll give you five extra bucks. Um, And actually, it leads to a lot of scenes where Robert Taylor does punch Jack directly in the face to the point where Jack has said, no, 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 no. I'm going to prepare in advance. And he wears one of those catcher's masks. Um, but, you know, Robert Taylor is not a fool. He instead just goes for the gut <laughs> in that last punch. Um, so, yeah, if you've ever wanted to get watch Jack Benny get punched, that's the movie for you. Um, but more importantly, I think Ryan would like the musical element of it. And if you want to know uh what the person who would marry Barbara Stanwyck looks like you get a firm, firm view of a young Robert Taylor and you'd understand, Ryan, you'd understand All why right. they got married. Um, so, um, but it's also, it's an MGM musical from the air. It's going to look lavish. You'll enjoy it. Uh, what you may not enjoy is chasing rainbows, which is a movie that I haven't seen in a while. And the version that I saw that was definitely not the version that I saw here because the version that is available Um, fills in a lot of gaps that are missing because this movie went through some damage issues um, over time, deterioration, lost footage. There was supposed to be technicolor sequences in this movie, um, especially near the end. Um, But the story is lame. It's a, it's a behind the scenes of a Broadway show type deal. Jack plays the producer of the show. He's barely in it, but he's the best character in the movie um apart from marie dressler who plays a uh, a braggart loudmouth actress in the show and marie dressler was a uh a a very funny actress who i think uh has a has a look about her that if you see her face ryan you'd know who she is mm-hmm. um but uh but the main plot of the movie is uh uh charlie king and other leading lady um, that she, Charlie King can't hold on to a girl and he sa- keeps saying to himself, I'm going to blow my brains out because this woman doesn't like me or whatever. And he's like, well, next time I'll fall in love with somebody stable. Little knowing that the woman who is always by his side is the right choice for her, for him, but he doesn't see it because he's fucking stupid. And so he uh, keeps going through a, he goes to another romance involving a woman who's trying to advance her career by being attached to him while secretly dating a co-star his behind his back um so it's it's really about a guy who doesn't know how to see things ryan and it's it's kind of stupid um but the plot with jack benny where he plays an actual kind and considerate human being who seems to care about his cast and you know he can make a sly I would call it Tony Stark-esque remark every so often, Uh, but he still cares about his crew and he actually understands human emotion and how it works. And it can actually see things unlike Charlie King who can't see jack shit. Um, So yeah, Uh, long story short, Chasing Rainbows is um, uh, an hour and 25 minutes when it was originally a hundred minutes long. So 20 minutes has been removed due to lost time and Because none of it is Jack footage, I don't really know if we've missed much uh, beyond the idea of seeing early Technicolor uh, segments in a movie, which will always delight the eye. Um, So that's um, that's an unfortunate thing I revisited. Another unfortunate thing I revisited was College Holiday uh, with Jack Benny, George Burns, Gracie Allen and um, uh, uh, Ben Blue and Martha Ray and. Ryan, I think I've talked about this film on the show before, but I don't think I've done it in detail, and I'm going to be as brief as I can. This is a comedy from 1936 about eugenics that is, first of all, insane. Um, Jack plays the current proprietor of a hotel that is going under, and the only way that he can raise money and profile for the hotel is – running into a scheme involving the hotel mortgage holder who belongs to a Greek cult obsessed with eugenics and the creation of a perfect um, human being um, by finding two perfect other human beings to mate. Um, so he gathers up a bunch of college kids on a train, makes them sw- makes them promise to not fall in love with each other or make whoopee. Uh, and then takes them to the college to then be prepared for this eugenic ceremony, where the wait, whoopee, wait.
2: what's what's Whoopi?
0: Oh, sex! I'm I'm using the parlance of the era and be like, they can't, they can't, they can't fool around, grad. They can't fool around. Well, like fucking. Um, Yes, like fucking yes. <laughs> Jack has instituted a no fucking policy on this train. <laughs>
2: um, I, I think Ryan has his mic turned off or else he would have uh, heard my
1: Mares reference.
0: Yep, I know. I heard it too. Yeah,
1: no, I heard it. You're I'm coming through been... really weird.
0: Yep. I'm, I'm glad we built it up. But, um, but yes, uh, but long story short, they get them all in this call co- into this hotel to, uh, prepare for this Greek eugenics ceremony where the lucky superior male, um, will be, um, paired with, uh, the head of the cults perfect daughter played by Gracie Allen, of course, because that's the joke. Um, And the only scene in this movie that I think is actually hilarious is involves George Burns and Gracie Allen riding a chariot full of a team of horses down a busy street. Um, It actually is very funny you see george burns react and engage in the material and it's fun but then the rest of the movie goes off of its fucking rails uh and then when you think it's going to get back on its rails when they're just like well fuck this eugenics thing let's just put on a show to save the hotel but of course they would have to save the hotel with a uh blackface musical number um so yeah it's an unfortunate entry in jack's filmography not necessarily for the third act because those things were unfortunately typical of the era uh, but a comedy about eugenics i don't think if you had told me as a 10 year old boy that this movie existed that i would have believed you or even understood what eugenics was but more importantly i probably wouldn't have believed you um but nevertheless it's there and if you want to watch this it is available on youtube and I do plan on doing an episode of Ballyhoo Review on it because I think it needs to be discussed within the context of how did this get made. Um, and then um, I took a break from the black and white world and I went into some uh, color, cur- courtesy of Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Um, I revisited Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, Ryan, I don't think I've rewatched this movie since 2019. Um, oh, uh, but good so I, I didn't pop in the 4K Uh, I bought the 4K last year, but I didn't pick it up again. Uh, Yeah, I loved it when it came out. Um, I still love it. That movie's wonderful. Um, I think that... I think it's sitting better with me now than it did in 2019, where I was still trying to suss out, like, what's this movie doing for me as opposed to other Quentin Tarantino movies? And I just really appreciated once again the idea of these these two hollywood actors just ha- or these hollywood personalities just hanging out in a movie like just hanging around la for two days and then coming to the conclusion that we do with the manson cult um i was kind of digging more into the soundtrack and how it kind of tells the story alongside of uh the the actions on screen certain songs being used that kind of allude to what we're going to see uh, down the line near the climax of the film. Uh, and that 4k, you can see the detail that goes into him, not just recreating the seventies in terms of the print, uh, or the, in terms of the set design on, on screen, but also the feel and the texture of that film. Like it does feel like a film that came out of the late sixties, early seventies. Um, it's fantastic. It's so wonderful. Um, and, uh, I really, I had more appreciation for what Al Pacino's doing um, in his two scenes, specifically when he's in the um, uh, the, the the diner with, uh, or the, the restaurant with Leo, and he's talking about like, this is how they're going to basically shuffle you off into obscurity by making you the villain of the week. They punch you out and the audience continues to lose sympathy for you. Um, and yeah, if Brad Pitt, if Brad Pitt hadn't won that Oscar, I think I probably would have been upset because he is absolutely perfect in that movie, um, just a, just a wonderful. Like I love, I still love the moment when he's uh, watching TV after he uh, makes dinner for his dog, and he's sitting down and he hears a, a the person on the TV. The television go like you know musicians are they're temperamental cats you never know what they're going to do and he just goes yeah <laughs> <laughs> just reacting to the TV it's like he's, it's as if it's his only buddy in the world um, and I also uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the the line uh, where uh, he's reacting to the Manson cult entering the house and he's just like I remember you you were there too and you were on a horsey. <laughs> um yeah once Upon a time in hollywood still a wonderful film you should check it out if you haven't um that's a shame sorry uh and then the last thing i watched Brian, was uh something that i texted you about last night immediately um one of the things that i've now been commissioned to do at this convention for jack is to do a panel on his appearances on the show what's my line Uh, And so I started going through the YouTube rabbit hole of what's my line, which is a television show that started in the fifties and continued on until 1975. And the premise of the game show is essentially you have a group of panelists. They have a contestant signed in and your, their job as the panel is to guess what this person does for a living. Um, And uh, the celebrity guest is always fun because they blindfold them and they have them disguise their voices and they try to figure out through vague clues who they might be um i gotta tell you like ryan is the one who te- technically perpetrated this because he talked about watching a lot of what's my line last year or the year before or something like that and you're right ryan that is a rabbit hole that you will not stop yep. like that is insane how wonderfully engaging that game show is like it's funny though have you gone through the fred allen ones at all that are available uh-uh you should he's a he's a comedian of that era who would uh make fun of game shows on his radio show in the 40s because they were supplanting a lot of sitcom or comedy based shows and yet at the end of the day one of the final things he did in his life was being a panelist on what's my line um but he's wonderful he's a, he's an ad libber of the era so he like he throws out lines and does not care what he says um he really toes the line Um, but it's also one of those things that made me realize, unfortunately, our parents had to sit through the voice of Bennett (laughs) surf, who is a very intelligent writer, very, uh, interesting writer, but I don't like his voice. I really don't. And I know that's coming from a man who has a very terrible voice right now, but even I don't have the voice that Bennett surf does. Like it's, it's obnoxious. It's weird. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, and the, the Jack ones are interesting because he signs in under different names each time. Um, in the first one, he signs in as Heifetz, which was a violinist of the era. In the second one, he signs in as his own name. And then in the third appearance, he signs under his actual birth name, Kubelski, to try to throw them off. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And he goes under the profession concert violinist, Ryan. So that's like that, That's going to play heavily into my research going beyond the Benny films. So, But yeah, it's a fun show. So, yeah, if you want to check out that rabbit that rabbit hole on YouTube, it's all available. Like, there's like 143 episodes of that show available. Um, but, yeah, and that's all I watched this week.
1: Uh, I watched uh, I've been re-watching Futurama. I made it to uh, the deep, deep south, which has my, one of my most favorite lines ever in TV history, where Hermes is eating a Sloppy Joe, and then it's used as bait, and he yells out, My man-witch.
0: <laughs> that, that, that episode is full of great lines. I'm yep. like, folks around here call me the Colonel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: it, it's it's fun watching them back to back to back because I love seeing how the characters grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when Bender starts, he start realizing that he needs alcohol to stay functional. <laughs> um, you know it's. Um, <laughs>
0: The chemical energy keeps my fuel cells charged.
1: (laughs) You know, where where Bender has lines, you know, he says, I don't want to watch any comedies. Those are boring. Tragedies. (laughs) They're so funny.
0: (laughs) Tragedy. That's hilarious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, It's just really fun rewatching them uh, because I love Fry and I love Bender. (laughs) You know, (laughs) just watch the one where they um, steal the Planet Express ship. And it's tethered with an unbreakable diamond rope. Oh, yeah. And, and it, so tra- it t- drags the, the entire Planet Express around <laughs> <Yeah>. the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love when they leave and they go, man, the best part about this is no one will ever find out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love stupid lines. Um, oh, that's where the, that's the episode two where, um, uh, they get so they get fired after that, and then Fry discovers his girlfriend from nineteen ninety nine stuck in a cryo cryo tube. Yeah. Um, oh god, that's the poly Shore one too.
1: Yep. The one <laughs> thousandth anniversary of was it Jury uh, Duty two? Jury Duty two. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, Tis better to have loved than to have loved and lost, Nespa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really fun, uh, revisiting Futurama. Uh, I also watched probably my wife's favorite movie ever. It's called Hot Shots. Just kidding. My wife hates any spoof movie. Um,
0: Hot Shots is fun. What's your, uh, what's I, your deal?
1: <laughs> I love Hot Shots. Uh, just rewatching it just makes me <laughs> laugh and, um, I mean, I always love just like an airplane, you know, they always have the sight gags that are funny, mm-hmm. but I usually think it's more fun when they say the line straight mm-hmm. and the what they're saying is completely stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> when Topper Harley, Charlie Sheen's character, meets a guy named Dead Meat and <laughs> he... And when he meets him, he's hanging up pictures of his family on his like bunk, and uh, you know Charlie Sheenling Zayn says cute, <laughs> and he's referring to the pictures, but Dead Meat says, "Wow, thanks. Yeah, I like to work out. Don't you have any pictures to hang up?" <laughs> he says, "Nope, it'd just be of my motorcycle." <laughs> he says, "Oh, loner, huh? No, I own it. It's so stupid." <laughs> and just and then um, when Dead Meat ends up dying. He has this whole like spiel before he goes, uh, flying. And so he's walking to his jet. and his, his wife meets him and she says, Oh, uh, she calls him dead meat too, which is really funny. Um, here, here's your life insurance policy to sign. And he says, I can't get this pen to work. Don't worry. I'm in a jet. What could go wrong? And, uh, then he talks about how he solved the John F. Kennedy assassination. <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't want to leave the information with his wife and cause he's safe in the jet and ends up crashing and uh, it's just great stuff. It's totally stupid. And um, yeah, I just love hot shots. <laughs> um, uh, I've been showing Kellen movies that I think he'd like. Um, so we watched two movies this week. We watched uh, Tommy boy, which he had a lot of fun watching. Um, I think the humor's broad enough in Tommy boy that he would like it. And he really did um and we also this tonight we watched real steel which i know is one of our earliest movies we reviewed on this show um but i also i think i love it more than anybody else on the show and just watching it again i I still i still really love the film um
0: that's that's a film i need to rewatch because i haven't seen it since the theaters um and that's now what 10 years ago
1: uh yeah Wow.
0: 2011.
1: Yikes. Like the special effects in it are pretty amazing. That's I mean, just I watching it again.
0: Yeah. And I remember liking Hugh Jackman in it too.
1: Like, Oh, yeah. No, he's he's always great. Yeah. Um, because I'm reading a Cary Grant biography, I decided, and I just read the chapter on His Girl Friday. I rewatched His Girl Friday. Um, and it's one of those movies that they talk so fast. And the jokes are so funny that you have to rewatch it multiple times to kind of catch everything that they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I love yeah, the I love the banter. That's that's one of oh, Maury, yeah. that's one of Mori Riskin's best scripts that doesn't have to do with the Marx Brothers. Like
1: <laughs> you know they they talk. I mean they even have lines that uh, you know uh, Carrie Grant plays a newspaper editor and Rosalind Russell is trying to uh, and their ex uh, their ex marriage um, spouses uh, spouses, thank you and um she brings in her new fiance, and she's trying to quit the news business but carrie grant keeps on trying to get her to stay to cover the story about this guy who's going to be executed who they don't think should be executed and uh her new boyfriend is played by ralph bellamy and Cary grant is so good at ad-libbing in this film Uh that um there's some moments in it uh this guy comes into his office and he says, you know, uh, Cary Grant's character, Walter says, Hey, you should uh, go. I can't believe I can't remember Ralph Bellamy's character's name, but he says, "Uh, go see him. He's in a lobby and he's, or in a taxi. And he's, and the guy says, well, how I know who he is. He's like, he looks like that Ralph Bellamy fellow. And (laughs) um, and then uh, he also says uh, he's on the phone with, Uh, city editors and reporters and he says he says a line that says the last man that say that to me was Archie Leach just a week before he cut his throat and (laughs) Cary Grant's real name is Archie Baldy Leach Leach. yep Um, the movie's great Uh, you know I was reading that the script is something like 234 pages of all that
0: dialogue yeah
1: and the film is only 94 minutes long
0: and it's based so, on a. It's based on. Do you, have you watched the film that's attached to it on the Criterion, Ryan? The front page. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not as great, but it's but it's one of those interesting things to watch how two different directors handle material because Howard Hawks oh. could handle screwball dialogue like amazingly, like as oh, yeah. evidenced by bringing up Baby, well, um, that but.
1: Is- Cary Grant is so great in it, and Rosalind Russell is so great in it. Oh, god, that, she's amazing in it! You they really elevate the material. Um, yeah. because if, if there wasn't someone like Cary Grant playing him, you might not like walter you know what i
0: mean well yeah because his the he is doing the cinematic equivalent of urkel going i'm wearing her down because that's basically what he does he oh, yeah. wears her down to the point of like i can't help it of course i'm a newspaper woman no i won't marry ralph bellamy even though he's clearly better for me like it's mm. it's, it's amazing that he he pulls it off because he's Cary grant like he can pull that off amazingly um I'll say this on Bellamy too, because I noticed this in Awful Truth when we rewatched it for Ballyhoo. The, um, his ability to respond to improv rather than to give improv oh, is yeah. kind of incredible. Like he he's a very good reactive actor. Like he uh, really works with his face on that too. Yeah, like
1: Grant gives him a lot of credit because he says it's easy to be Cary Grant and have the funniest lines and things like that. You know, the real great actors are the straight man who have to um just you know sit there and take it and he i mean he's right well i mean there is a a craft of being as great as Cary grant is but
0: right but it's a different you're talking about two different crafts entirely like it's it's the straight man motif like i mean like bellamy and jack fall in the same circle where they're reactive actors like they react to things happening to them um like, George Burns doesn't even fall in that category because all Burns does is just say, Gracie, has your brother? And then he just stands there for 15 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's the gag. But Bellamy had an amazing ability. And and not only that, but, like, every time yeah. he delivered the dialogue, he always approached it from, like, I don't want to say sad sack, but, like, you know, you could tell that he was an emotionally vulnerable human being, which is a rarity in in, in old Hollywood to a certain extent when it comes to characters like that. Like... It's it's He was remarkable, hands down. Yep. And he helped solve the Wolfman mystery.
1: <laughs> True. Um, I also, uh, Warner Archive released this week, Room for One More, which is uh, Cary Grant film I think it's kind of forgotten about, but is uh, really good. He's really great in it. And he, he plays uh, an engineer and, and his wife, who is his real-life wife, Betsy Drake, uh, they have three children, um, a lot of cats, and a stray dog. And uh, his wife goes to an orphanage, and she sees all these children that need help, and they decide to take in a troubled youth. Then she's 12, and, you know, she's has a tough exterior, but uh, she gets worn down eventually and uh, gets stays with the family. And then they also take in another um troubled youth and it's really sitcom and it has just a lot of like bits in it but all the actors are really really on the top of their game and um there there is a scene that i that i cry in it where the the 12 year old girl is supposed to only spend two weeks with uh carrie grant and betsy drake and um so when they come to take her back she doesn't want to go and you know uh, Cary Grant's character who's named Poppy Rose uh, he is against her staying but when he sees how hard it is going to be for her you don't see him but she has her suitcase with her and in the background you see Cary Grant walk back up the stairs and mm-hmm. when she go- leaves she looks for her suitcase and you look up the stairs and Cary Grant has it to take her back upstairs to her room um, yeah. it's a really sweet movie and uh the Blu-ray has a couple Looney Tune cartoons on it. Uh, one is uh, with Wiley e. Coyote and Bugs Bunny, and the only reason I can guess is because they uh, they get a bunny in the movie. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. it's on there. It's well, great, I think though.
0: I think if they could find a way to to match it, they do. But if not, it's always just like, well, we've got these in the let's. We we aren't going to spend money to make a behind the scenes doc on Room for One More, but we are going yeah, to. Fine. But we've got these properties. Let's put them in there. Absolutely. And the
1: other though. one was uh, Feed the Kitty, which is a really cute one with uh, yeah. a yeah a bulldog and a little cat that a, he loves. he helps raise. He he raises them. It raises him yeah. because
0: he's like, oh, this cute kitty cat. I'm not going to let anybody bother this kitty cat. It, yeah,
1: and uh, the last thing I watched was uh, Double Indemnity, which is. Uh maybe the quiz essential film noir mm-hmm. um, has, it another, has
0: has another which, title you know it's called the adventures of barton keys
1: <laughs> yes oh no uh man those those monologues that he has oh, that he doesn't God. miss a beat on are pretty incredible he cares more um,
0: about insurance than anybody we will ever know <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> but uh and i mean if this is the film noir that all film noirs are judged on mm-hmm. uh, i haven't seen it in a long time and sitting down and watching it again i get sucked in immediately into the to the movie just through fred mcmurray's you know narration because he has that standard i'm a gruffy guy giving you a narration about what's happening to me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um you know barbara stanwick is probably the greatest femme fatale She's so good in this movie. I,
2: I
0: love that they said, like they put that cheap wig on wig on her because she wanted to accentuate the fact that this person is duplicitous. So she's like this mm-hmm. cheap wig with bangs. Will def-. And it's true. She does look uh, like she's got a secret or like, or yeah. got a scheme cooking up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's still stunning and uh, the movie's so good. It's so well, it's directed by Billy Wilder. Mm-hmm. It's so well made. Um, you know it's it's funny because everyone thinks a film noir is you know a detective solving it but it's really an insurance salesman and um yeah it's the film is just great it, it's uh, really
0: about like just diving into not anti-hero complex per se but just like following in the seedy nature of humans making bad decisions like oh yeah. that's what it ends up like you've seen the man who wasn't there right ryan yeah. by the coen brothers that's basically it's double indemnity for the next generation to a lot of extent but yeah um, so i love uh, that film
1: <laughs> I, I recommend picking it up uh i think you get a standard blu-ray of it i i got the limited edition one mm-hmm. that has the tv movie with it and yeah, I only the- watched like 30 40 minutes of the tv movie and i couldn't do it
0: yeah, the, well, it's the stand, just... the standard release does have that on there, but yeah, don't bother rewatching <laughs> that. That that's
1: not good. Um, it's bad. But the documentary they have on there is really really great. Um, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyways, uh, that's what I watched this week.
0: You should Ryan next week. You should try to rewatch Sunset Boulevard um, by Wilder also, and um, compare the two because they are kind of like a weird noir duology for him.
1: Mm. Like it's, it's
0: a lot to connect with. But anyway,
1: yeah, uh, this week, our film of the week is psycho gore, man. Zach, should people see psycho gore, man?
0: That's a silly question, Ryan. Of course, everybody in America should see psycho gore, man, including young children. (laughs) Um,
1: no, um, I mean,
0: well, yeah, well, they're called adults. Brad, we're old children.
1: Um, Uh, Brad, just so you know, you sound terrible right now. Uh Oh, because it's because he's sifting on the computer right now.
0: Um. Uh, but yeah no um yeah i would recommend it this is a very uh inventive fun comedy gore fest like i was trying to like say like if they tried to make a children's version of a lovecraft kind of like weird cosmic tale this is kind of what it is um but it's also got like elements of other things strewn about within the horror realm and Everybody's just on their A-game. I, I, I laughed harder at this than I've laughed at anything in the last like month or so. So yeah, I absolutely recommend it.
1: Brad, should people watch Psycho Goreman?
2: I mean, if you listened to last week, I insisted it be this week's episode. So um, yeah, I think uh, my vote's in for it.
1: Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm not as in love with it as you guys are. Boo. Um, it's... Brian, okay. you don't know magic <laughs> Yeah, it's okay I, I like that it doesn't try to be anything It's not mm-hmm. uh, Here's the trailer for Psycho Goreman
0: Many moons ago A nameless evil Was imprisoned in a place Far beyond reach Hurry up If he were ever to be released It would spell Certain doom for all Existence is that fear I smell your planet will be torn to pieces and I will Mimi. drink your Cuck. screams as I is this yours oh.
2: oh my god
1: the gem of paraxedike whoever wields it is able to command me
2: go over there <sighs> and wait for us to come back in the morning
0: you will suffer an eternity for this Bye. mom dad I watched him meet Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. Sure. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. Out. He's gonna kill everybody. Not unless I tell him to. Yes.
2: What did you three maniacs get up to? Um,
0: this is getting I a little weird. Every
2: week- this sick game must come to an end. Will
1: enslave the galaxy into endless servitude.
2: Kill him! Cool. will not stop
1: killing The ultimate evil has awoken.
0: There's a new god in town. And his name? Psycho Gorman
2: meeting
1: you. It would be nicer if you were dead. Alright, bye. Uh, Psycho Gorman is a story about these two kids that find a gem that unleashes the destroyer of ga- universes onto the world who doesn't really have a name. Um, his original name, was it like, of nightmares? Uh,
0: the Archduke of Nightmares. Yeah, the <laughs> Archduke
1: of Nightmares. Um, and <laughs> They it comes find from that the, this,
0: it comes from the planet Gigax.
1: <laughs> they find that the the gem that they have allows them to control Psycho Gorman, which they coin his name. Um, and then it's just, I, I, I don't really know what the story is. I guess he wasn't supposed to be released, and now we got Power Ranger villains coming to get him.
0: I think the um, I think the goal was to establish like to mislead you into like, oh, well, this is an evil or alien overlord that they're going to control. But then they give Psycho Gorman this backstory where it's like, no, the people you think are going to be the heroes of the movie are actually the villains. And it it's 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 cutely trying to uh approach a commentary on organized religion at one point and i'm like this is this is insane but i'm loving every second of it it does work um but yeah the plot i guess is psycho gorman learns to love well also bt beat...
2: but yeah kind of um, <laughs> but for like gore and <laughs>
0: yeah for gore and an excuse to do some Stuart gordon level nonsense that i absolutely love i i gotta tell you i love that this movie had practical effects up the wazoo and did not skimp on him like the budget some
1: of the some of him like making people explode it look really bad though (laughs) like the cgi
0: uh, oh when they um well no there's a lot of like those a lot of those explosions are practical i believe
1: uh, like some of one. them some of them are but when he's like going down the street and shooting people yeah it's pretty bad cgi oh okay okay but, I, I mean I, I don't care about that i, I don't I think either... it's supposed to be good either so yeah no, yeah, no I, I don't care about that um you know th- the one thing that always irked me with this movie is i think the little girl in it was not that good and i don't <laughs> like how she delivered lines and she's not a very good person so it's really hard to get behind her um so it's not a I, weird power trip it is kind of a weird character like she's <laughs> but at the same time you know because i i just talked about in you know in hot shots how i love those little stupid little things um the first time i actually laughed really hard in this movie was um psycho gorman is shown this magazine and says You just look at these hunky guys. Like I don't care about hunky guys,
0: or or do I?
1: (laughs) Or do I? And it has a really funny, like pull-in tight shot on him. (laughs) um, I like um, how they
0: pay off that line where, like the the lady the lady gal sent down to destroy him, like blasts away his magazines. Is like,
1: no, not my hunky guys. (laughs) (laughs) That stuff's silly. And then uh, I really the part where i think the dad was kind of funny in the movie where he would just have these weird lines and uh he's sitting down in the living room and the mom i forget her name comes and yells at him about the mess and he says you you could say you appreciate my chicken or and it's (laughs) she says something else and it zooms in on his face and he's he whispers you're welcome (laughs) <laughs> so, and it,
0: and the camera holds on him for way yeah, too long in a way that so is weird. kind of one remarkable. I th- th- there is one not complaint but con- befuddlement is. I don't understand why we need more of these parents in the movie. I guess it's a way to solve certain plot issues, but th- their re- their marital problems are really ill defined. <laughs> I don't really care, ultimately. All I need to know is that they're angry at each other or, like, in a weird, like, conflicting period. But it just felt like it took more time away from watching Psycho Goreman
2: run around with these kids. Um, yeah, it's, it's, oh, not, it's not for plot. It's just for laughs. Like,
0: Yeah, I guess so. It is that kind of relief from there. Um, it's kind of cool because you never
2: really get to see, like, the parents are usually omitted from these stories you know like oh
0: yeah and here they actually have so i guess yeah that's actually a very fair point because this is kind of like an 80s throwback to a certain extent um and the and in those movies the parents are relegated to the side but like in et the dad's gone well yeah Uh, yeah yeah the dad's not the dad's not even a thing and uh and even d wallace doesn't have a lot to do by comparison to the kids um i i talk about though um this movie like pulls some interesting punches, like turning that other kid into a giant brain thing, uh, which like was just like I my jaw hit the floor several times with this movie because I'm like they're doing this. This is interesting. Like this is like a like darkest shit comedy
2: and leaving um, him that
0: way. <laughs> yeah, and leaving him. That's the thing. The movie ends with him staying that way, and I'm like that is super like that is super depressing and super hilarious. Um, but uh the other uh element of it was like so at one point they're being taught the rules of crazy ball and um you know rightfully so psycho gorman was just like i don't understand what is going on uh and uh two cops pull up in a police patrol car and they raise their guns at psycho gorman and obviously psycho gorman doesn't like that and so he turns one of these guys
1: yeah, but, in, but why did the cops show up like it makes no sense at all. Oh yeah,
0: there there's no reason for
1: them and to do that. They, they other come than... there like hauling ass and the the one cop I was telling Laura we were watching this, I was, why is his badges and his patches on his biceps is driving me crazy. Oh yeah, no, it it it's it's all over the place, Ryan. But it doesn't matter
0: because that guy gets turned inside out, becomes one of yes. his slaves with his gun melded to his hand, and they're walking in the forest later. And he just randomly keeps shooting, trying to kill himself. <laughs> and then she gives the girl a Valentine that says, "Please kill me."
2: <laughs> yeah. And then the girl says, "Never trust cops." Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not a lot of good police treatment in this movie,
1: right, Ryan? Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't care about that. It's just it's just weird. And it, it, a lot of it didn't make sense. I, I don't yeah, know. They, I don't already esta- they, they've already
0: established that the parents don't really care if Psycho Goreman's around their children because they have that montage. So, yeah, being the cops being called on them makes virtually no sense uh, other than to put the cops there. But um, that fight scene in the middle of the... Uh, uh, the forest with all the other evil overlords. They have one called Cassius fi- Cassius bot or Cassius 5,000 or something like that. I'm like, there's a Shakespeare robot in this movie. What the hell is that all about?
1: Like, <laughs> so Brad, I was, I saw your, your review uh, or your rating on Letterboxed. Uh, letterbox. W- why did you like this movie so much?
2: Cause it's so like terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's purposely like it's, it's, making fun of that genre and, um, you know, doing, like, it's actually doing a lot of impressive things on it. It's got to be like a really low budget. Um, Like, you know, there's like Mortal Kombat level gore in this that just like, wow, they, uh, you know, those costumes are not expensive. Like, all the Power Ranger costumes, um, it's like quite the endeavor. Um, The sense of humor, uh, like, the dad stuff is just so, you know, just when you think the movie's already weird like he has this like weird depression where he's like, like insert some weird off humor line and then also like has these bouts of just like he's totally weak <laughs> um, yeah. like he'll trick yeah. the family into like doing stuff for him like uh, yeah he'll just weasel out of stuff that's really funny um yeah like the like I thought, the little girl wasn't doing it first, but I realized like I just I probably haven't seen a ton of like super confident little girls as like protagonists before, so like it's Ooh. cool that that's different. Um, yeah, I appreciated
0: that, and the, even though the character didn't always work for me, like she is is cool to see that kind of character exist now.
2: Yeah, so. like it, Ryan's right, she's hard to like because she's she's kind of an asshole. Like she tries to get her brother killed. Oh, oh yeah, like, all yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah it's stuff I like It's like it just does stuff that is you know it, it would have been boring if it was just you know like you like these kids again and um you know it's stranger <laughs> things or it's e t mm-hmm. um you know like I like those things, but you know I don't need everything I watch to be them so I like
0: how this film isn't afraid to be uncozy and un uh un, uh, un uh, unabashedly out of its mind
2: um yeah, it, it tries for things and like and it yeah.
0: and it and it does like poke fun at different 80s tropes that we've been you know digging back up in a nostalgia sense and i kind of appreciated the sense of humor it had about this subgenre. um but uh i just remember to see where he goes into uh luke's nightmares and he, you know, he's trying to turn him against his sister, and then he's just like, "Well, then what happens now?" Well, now we just wait for your nightmare to end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just wait there for like a solid thirty seconds. It was there's some fun comedy in this film. I, yeah,
2: I, it like he really... pokes fun at like the structure of the plots of these things. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's very like so like self-referential that like it it knows that it's dumb. Like it, oh yeah, that's the thing. Like it's yeah, it's so.
0: it's very it's very aware of itself, and like the. Uh, uh then the dad's in the bathroom and he gets a vision from psycho gore to come and find yeah. them and it keeps popping back up <laughs> because he doesn't know where to go <laughs> yeah um and yeah. uh and like i said on the visual on the practical end of this stuff like it was nice watching things ooze around and not be cgi blood and in a lot of the respects i obviously there's explosions that i missed clearly where they're cgi but um they're uh the for the most part, those costumes are really like flexible to a point where like the, the reality of the world does feel tangible and I I buy into it uh, in a way that I don't think other films that try to do this um, always succeed at. Um, it looks cheap, but it also looks lived in in a way that films don't always do today because if you try to make a f- CGI film on this budget, you're going to come out with crap like jujitsu. Uh,
1: no, where- I mean I don't, I, I don't fault it. I mean I thought the costumes were cool. You know, I, I liked at the beginning when uh, his introduction, uh, Psycho Gorman, where he rips those two dudes' heads off, which was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he, that one dude says, "I don't want to die," and so he's going to make him suffer for eternity until the kid hit him and he fell over and exploded
0: oh god there is and no then he says thank backstory. you <laughs> yeah the, the so brad the thank you line like sometimes there are body humor body horror things that creep me out and that was one of them when it like just shows like a part of his lips saying thank you i was like that creeped me out like, just I was, like, yeah. yeah i was like that's that's unnerving um but like and then also let's keep in mind guys this is a movie that has the brilliant uh, uh, way to go out with not one, but two songs about Psycho gourmet one, oh, yeah. one is a rock ballad and the other one is a fucking rap song and <laughs> I love it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like if so, like Ninja Turtles and Van Damme, John Clyde Van Damme's damn band for the, the credits to describe the whole movie.
0: Yeah, just like, um, it, and that that maybe cues in a little more to 90s territory where it's just like, we need a rap about the movie, like like the deepest bluest. My heart is like a shark spin, like for Deep Blue Sea, like kind of thing. Like Yeah that was just lovely lovely stuff and i like that the climb, i like that they maintain a childlike nature throughout the entire movie in terms of like this is like this is a kids movie that kids are going to watch behind their parents back that's kind of what they're they're aiming at and the idea that the entire finale run, revolves around this childish game of crazy ball um and uh it, it just it 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 had a very fun uh energy to it that i don't see too often with films that are trying to balance a couple different balls again it's I, I want to see the, the work by the directors because um, I, I I guess Brad was telling me that Mamborg's not that great um, but that Father's Day might be worth a watch so uh, yeah, I, well, I
2: the like this actually shows like growth because Father's Day is kind of you don't know where the story's going to go next like everything seems, seems so random whereas this at least follows like the arc of the kids uh, you know You know, they're not great people by the end, but at least they're different from when they started. Also like psychogorman, you know. He's he's still gonna be like a like murder everything he comes across, but he what is I saw two weeks ago, I can't remember what he says at the end.
0: But he's just like I'll spare or like your like your um It's something about your family he it's weird like he he's he's like you taught me how to love or something like like, you taught me it's what's in here that counts yeah
2: something like that like you taught me how to love or something
0: yeah and she blows him a kiss and he catches it and put sticks it near his heart and i'm like ah and then he goes into a portal and decides to destroy the world because i'm just like oh i love the fact that they follow through on his evil plan to destroy the world and they don't cop out on it at the end Like, I'm just like, that would be a super simple solution to your problems, but I'm glad that you stuck with your dark comedy motif and had the world end and have that brainchild still be a brainchild by the end of the movie. Like, I, again, it's like, it's super dark, but it's super fun. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. The movie is working on a bunch of cylinders that I don't know if it has any right to, but it absolutely nails it.
2: Yes, I missed that. I haven't seen that in a while, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, next week we're watching The Small Things? The Little Things. The Little Things?
0: I... We we could watch The Medium Things, but I haven't made it yet, because I've been commissioned for the sequel to The Little Things called The Medium Things.
2: What about all The Small Things? True mm. care, true things. <laughs> she left me roses by the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take
0: one if you're right. Hey, Brad, say it ain't so. I will not go. Turn the lights down. Carry, Carry me. me home.
1: Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, stop. I don't want to get sued. Those guys probably need money.
0: <laughs> hey, was this our first all musical special? For- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and and tell- then
2: what's, what's after that, though? I don't, know. I don't know either. We'll figure it out. Okay. You want to yeah. remind people of any uh, 10th anniversary stuff we're doing? Oh yes, uh, we're doing a tenth anniversary show where things happen and stuff. Wow, oh, great! <laughs> uh, yeah, just stay tuned throughout the year. Uh, hopefully, we get uh, going on doing the best we can to celebrate our milestone tenth year doing this. We yeah. should do a we should do a clip show hosted by somebody that's not a real nerd, like <laughs> in a Troy McClure type fashion. you yeah, feel like <laughs> anyone who cares enough to do that. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: but yeah. There'll be special things throughout the year.
0: Yes, absolutely. Fond memories to be shared. New adventures to
2: be discovered. This I, believe, is- I believe next week my appearance will uh, defeat Zach's uh, consecutive episode record. So stay tuned right. for that. It's
0: fine. I had it coming.
2: I knew I couldn't yeah.
0: hold on to that crown forever.
2: You just had to miss a week. I didn't have to.
0: I, I did things. <laughs> All right. All right.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: Good. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of real nerds podcast. Real nerds podcast is a production of nebulous visions, multimedia. Thank you to sparks mandrill and plan nine studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo draft house in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake.